there's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hi, thanks so much for joining us for our seventh episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today on the show, I'm talking to Elisa Nussbaum. Of all the people who come on the show and say they're not really spreadsheet people, Elisa is the most not spreadsheet person of them all. But I still love this conversation so much, and I think you will too. This is our Thanksgiving episode of There's a Column for That, and I brought Elisa on for a couple of reasons. Number one, she's family, and Thanksgiving felt like the right time to bring on family. Number two, she's a registered dietitian and an amazing cook. Number three, she uses spreadsheets for one thing and one thing only, planning big family meals. And what could be more Thanksgiving-y than that? While her Thanksgiving, like a lot of our Thanksgivings, will be much smaller this year, she still plans to go all out food-wise. And I love her for that. In this episode, we talk food, bowling, raw meat, and the time she met the guy who invented Excel. What? But I would be remiss in not acknowledging the inherent complications with Thanksgiving itself. It's a holiday that many people love because of the good memories we associate with it and the good memories we make each year. But for Indigenous people in this country and those among us who don't have the resources or the family and friends to make the day different from any other day, it is not a happy time. I'm known in my family for ruining things with my feminism and anti-racism and anti-capitalist slants. I don't want to ruin Thanksgiving for anyone, but I do hope if you're choosing to celebrate and if you're lucky enough to have that choice, that the conversations you're having around your table or across the Zoom are nuanced enough to hold the complications and investigate their place in your celebration. My chat with Elisa was recorded on September 16th, and we're releasing it on November 20th. Please remember to wear your mask, Black Lives Still Matter, and Joe Biden is the president-elect. Hi, Elisa. Welcome to There's a Column for That. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in? Do you have hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space? And of course, you're actually telling our listeners, because I know all those things about you. That's a lot. Pick and choose, whatever you want. So, Elisa, I am uh, coming to you right now from Weston, Connecticut, but I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that's, uh, that's my Jamie connection. Um, I work at Yale Children's Hospital as a clinical dietitian. Um, and it's interesting that that is my second career. Uh, I started back to school to become an RD at 40. Um, and I, uh, I'm not really a spreadsheet person, so this is going to not, might not be very interesting or fun for most people because I'm not really going to be able to give you any tips on spreadsheets, but I, I do, I do use them in a one very, very specific way. Yes, and we will get into that. And I have no doubt that this will be interesting to everyone because you are interesting. Um, what about some hobbies that you're into since spreadsheets are not one of your hobbies? So I, uh, 
I'm a yoga girl and I ride a Peloton bike almost every day. Um, I love to cook. I love to feed people. Um, I'm a big reader, which Jamie knows as well. Um, and I have three amazing kids, 22, 19, and an amazing 15-year-old girl who's just the best kid ever. Um, and they're all awesome. And I have an amazing husband and two sweet dogs. Pretty boring life. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. How do you interact with spreadsheets in your work or your life? So in my work, I don't have a ton of spreadsheet usage. Very simple. Um, if I'm keeping track of a research project, I might use it for the research subjects. Um, and to maybe keep track of patients if I'm working on something specific. But that's sort of the very basic spreadsheet functions. But um, every year I do use the spreadsheet um, as a Gantt chart so that I can track holiday meal planning and cooking and serving. About four or five times a year I host a very big holiday meal for extended family and friends, um, the biggest one being Thanksgiving usually. And I, a few years ago, was forced to come up with a way to track the day because I only have one oven and one four burner stove. So I'm very limited in what can go in where and everything, as you know, needs to be done and served at the same time. So I put together this color-coded Gantt chart that plots out starting from three days before Thanksgiving. And then on Thanksgiving day, it's in half hour increments. So it, it plots out my entire, my entire day. And it, I, I also think it's beautiful to look at. It's colorful, it's pretty. It it's is, beautiful. it is. Every year you post it and I feel like you get so much, I mean, people are obsessed with your chart. Now, Gantt's chart, is that what you're saying? This is a term I don't know. Oh, it's called a Gantt chart. I think it's G-A-N-T-T. -T. Okay. And uh, honestly, uh, that might not even be what it's called. I'm not even really sure how I know that or why I know that. But for some reason in my head, it's called a Gantt chart. You'll have to Google it, but I think a Gantt chart shows timeline. Wow, you are correct. Okay. I mean, I'm go I Googled it. Uh, it's a project management tool assisting in the planning and scheduling of projects of all sizes, although they are particularly useful for simplifying complex projects. And the first question that comes up in <laughs> Google is, how do I create a Gantt chart in Excel? Hmm. See, I could have written that if. Yeah, so do you create it manually or is it a formula-based thing or are you color coding things by hand? I mean, I've seen the chart for Thanksgiving and I feel like, well, def I'm gonna ask you for a screenshot of it so that we can, you know, people can take a look at it, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, what happens three days ahead of time and what happens, and I, 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 I remember seeing like, this is in the oven now, but it, does it get reheated later? Or like, I, what kinds of things are you keeping track of? I just, and tell us all about your food because this is our Thanksgiving episode. Oh, for sure. So it, it's evolved. It started off as just a way to manage my appliances on Thanksgiving day. 
So all of the appliances are color coded. And now I have even more appliances. So I have lots of, you know, of an instant pot and a air fryer and all kinds of other fun things that I didn't have in the beginning when I start, first started doing this. So it's very colorful and color coded by um, either activity or appliance. Um, so it might say um, like cooking or prepping, that might be a different color than the oven versus the microwave. Um, so that's very colorful, but I've added to it. So starting maybe two or three days before Thanksgiving, it's more just like a to-do list. Okay. Tablecloth, vacuuming, making sure the china is good, that kind of stuff. Um, but and it might be some of the things that I might make in advance. I might make a pie crust in advance. I might make some um, sweet breads or appetizers in advance, and they're just going to be reheated. <clears throat> so when it comes to the day of, um, I have at the bottom a menu, and the menu can change, and all of those menus are linked to um, recipes so that I have it all right there. Um, and then I move depending on what I'm trying, if I'm trying something new that year, if it's just some, something's coming off the menu, I can move things around and then it's by half hour increments. So for instance, you would prep the turkey might be a purple code from like seven to eight AM and then 8 AM the turkey goes in the oven. So it turns blue to show it's in the oven. That's How it. many people are you cooking for? Well, you know, obviously this year it's going to be super small, just the immediate sure. family. Sure, but um, normally when you're, when you're, when this is in full swing. Full swing, the most I've had is 22. Usually it's around 15, 16. Wow. All of the other holidays are great and the Jewish holidays are fun, except for Passover. That's really a lot of work. Um, but other holidays are really fun and I enjoy it. But Thanksgiving to me, it's just about the food. It's about right. food. It's about right. my family. I have such warm and wonderful memories of Thanksgiving all growing up that it's ve a very important holiday to me. And I, it makes me feel good to have everything be just so. And that's, I think I hear that a lot. And then it's funny, last year, I remember seeing a lot on Twitter and other social media, um, specifically by posts by Jews saying, why is everyone so wrought about cooking Thanksgiving dinner? Don't they know we do Shabbat every Friday night? Like I could teach these people something. And so in some ways, like for my family, um, I have warm memories of Thanksgiving as well. Although my memories are, they are food related, but they're also watching football on TV related. I also always seem like with four days off of school, that was the only time in high school that I read for pleasure. Like I would start a book the moment we got out of school on Wednesday and hopefully have it done by the time we went back to school on Tuesday. So I remember spending time on my bunk beds reading um, while my mom cooked because she was the cook in our house. So now my family has been going out to dinner for Thanksgiving because I don't eat dairy. My kids don't eat a traditional Thanksgiving meal. My, my father-in-law, who often travels to see us, does want a traditional Thanksgiving meal. So the, the food is such an issue 
that we typically just go out to eat, spend the time enjoying each other, and it's not stressful in any way. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, your relationship to all of those issues? You ask yourself, is it stressful or is it something that gives you joy? And if it didn't give me great joy and comfort and pleasure preparing things for Thanksgiving, um, then I wouldn't do it. I know that chart makes me seem like an extremely type A person, but I'm really not. Like, particularly for a dietitian, dietitians can be really regimented and I'm pretty loose compared to other clinical dietitians. There's something in this, it's like, you know, it's like my high holiday service or my Catholic mass, like the ritual of it is really important to me and it gives me great comfort. And I'm sure after years of trial and error, you have a sense of portions, but when you're making a meal for 22 people, are you making enough green beans for 22 people or are you making lots of different dishes and therefore each person's portion of that dish might be smaller? Like I don't, I can't even wrap my head around that. It won't surprise you to hear that I always make way too much food. Like that's (laughs) just what you do because you send people home with food. So that's totally, but generally I don't make a 22 person portion of anything except the main dish. And then I have a whole bunch of, because there's always going to be someone at my table that's, well, we keep kosher, so it's going to be kosher. There's always going to be at least one vegetarian there's always going to be, you know, someone that is allergic to something or someone that can't have gluten or something. So I want to, in addition to the main courses, have enough side dishes that everyone has plenty. Um, and then I always like to throw in a new recipe too, just something that m- might be hit, might be a miss, but it's always just fun to rotate it in. Do you, are you a, the cooker in your house or is Sam? So pre-pandemic, Sam was responsible for making dinner, doing dishes, and packing lunches. That's a lot. I lucked out. Big time. Big time. Now, if we're having people over, again, in the before times, Mm -hmm. I will cook and I can cook. My issue is with spending the amount of time it takes to make a meal and then my family eating it in 15 minutes. And to me, it's just, that's not a good use of my time. So it's not that I can't do it. It's that it sort of offends my efficiency principle. So Sam has become the cooker in our house. Now, during the pandemic, I am home more than he is. So now I'm doing the kids' lunches during the day because they're home with us. And I will make dinner. In the beginning, I was doing it probably twice a week. And we've sort of gotten out of the habit of that a little bit. But I am perfectly capable. I just don't enjoy it. Yeah, then that's the way to do it. Yeah, and I will take a whole Sunday and make 12 loaves of challah and freeze 10 of them to have them for the next couple months. Perfect. And then I'll do it again six months later. Like, it's not that I'm opposed to even the process, what I'm opposed to is doing anything that takes me longer than it takes the person to enjoy it. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) That's everything, Jamie. It takes everything longer to build up than to tear down. Mm, Yeah, I don't know. It's like spending a whole day making hala. That's enjoyable. And knowing that it's going to last six months makes it even more enjoyable. 
Um, so what about, I mean, you might not have an answer to this question because you're not engaging with it as often, but can you think of limits to spreadsheets or things that, that spreadsheets don't do well, or is there a reason that you're not really a spreadsheet person in your life aside for these amazing meal prep Gantt charts, which I'm now going to use all the time. You know what I'm most used to seeing Gantt charts in? In the Wikipedia entries of bands I'm looking up, because it'll show oh. you who ah. was in the band playing what instrument, what year. Yep, that is an excellent example of a Gantt chart. Yeah. Dork. <laughs> <laughs> it's research. <laughs> so wait, what did you ask me? limitations of spreadsheets or reasons you don't use them more yeah i don't know i just don't like it, it's just not it's one of those things where i'm sure if i had an amazing working knowledge of it then i would use spreadsheets all the time um but my knowledge of it is so surface it's the you know that's a seven layer dip i'm just in the garnish like i haven't even gone into the first layer well, a lot of people that I've talked to for the podcast and in my life, because I'm always talking about spreadsheets because I find them fascinating, is there's sort of two things that always come up. Number one, there are so many layers, like a seven layer dip times a million, that it is possible to use it just on that surface layer. And if you don't need it for more than that, you would never know what else is possible. So it's very much a tool. One of my guests described sort of PowerPoint is this very user-friendly, very easy thing where in a day you can figure out all there is to figure out about it. Yep. Excel is not that. Spreadsheets are not that. They are really powerful and really wonderful, but they are not as intuitive for most people's brains no, as a lot no, of no. other programs. And so right. that comes up a lot. And the other thing that comes up a lot is that there are Word Excel people or spreadsheet people and there are math or number spreadsheet people. So for example, I interviewed a CPA who is the CFO of a private school and she is pretty much using numbers and budgets all day, every day, spreadsheets. But when I talked to her about doing a mail merge from a spreadsheet, she's like, stop, I don't know what you're talking about, that's words. Oh, see, I could do a mail merge from a spreadsheet. Right. You're, you're, you use spreadsheets like a word person, right? Yeah. And so like I can plot novels in Word because it's really just helping me see what's happening in each chapter. It's making, it's making order out of chaos. It's making chaos. order out of chaos. And that's, I love them for that. And she, who literally spends all day in spreadsheets, has no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about mail merges, which I find fascinating. At the same time, she can create a pivot table and I cannot. Yeah, yeah, my boss does pivot tables. They're always very impressive. Oh, wow. So, it, and is your boss a dietitian also? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny. She um, has been trying for a number of years now, well, not a number of years, but she has a couple of times mentioned having me as a lead dietitian, which to me is like same job, more responsibility and not patient related, like management. You know, yeah. yeah. And, and I said to her, there's no way I could do this because I'm not an Excel chart person and you do those all the time. And she stopped me and she was like, I have seen your Thanksgiving spreadsheet. You could do this. 
See, that's what's so fascinating to me when I asked you to come on the show and you're like, well, that's the only thing I use Excel for. And I'm thinking, how can someone make such a beautiful chart that is so functional and so impressive to everybody who sees it and not use Excel for everything? The way that I use it for work is just charting very simple, very straightforward um, formulas, just adding and summarizing and like super top layer stuff. So let me ask you this. And I know the boys are older and I don't know much about their, their college. Well, let's, ta let's talk bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. Did you not use spreadsheets for bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs? Okay, um, confession, my sister sent me her spreadsheet. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> and that's what I used. Because, right, how many of the names and addresses are the same? That's and awesome. so, and she, she's a CPA. Right. So she's like super spreadsheeting. But what so, about like, okay, so that was like for the mailing list, the invitations, right? So what about budget? Did you use? Oh, no, same. Her spreadsheet okay. had like, Tab. right, like mm -hmm. seven tabs. Okay. So you do know, how, you do know what's possible and you do know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I met the dude. This might be the only place I could ever tell this story in my entire life. I met the dude that created Excel what yeah yeah so oh my god i haven't thought about this in years so okay wait we need to pause because if i could tell the story i would tell it every day to every person who i met so this is just another way that you and i get along so well and are yet so different so <laughs> please share most or all of this might be completely different than what i'm telling you but I'm just going to give you how I remember it in my head. And then Jason can tell me all the parts that are wrong. So okay. when I do live storytelling on stage, which I do frequently, the rules include true to the best of your ability to tell the truth. So this story is true to the best of my ability at this moment. So years ago, Jason was working for Wild Turkey Bourbon. They were the sponsors of the Pro Bowlers Association Tournament of Bowling. And they had a big televised, this is true, they had a big televised bowling event somewhere, maybe it was like Mohegan Sun or one of the casinos up here. So we go up there and a, we're at, you know, like the whatever VIP dinner, there's like, you know, 10 of us that are the sponsors and whatever. And I'm sitting next to this dude and I say to him, like, what do you do for a living? He, he was one of the first employees of Microsoft. Oh, Jason's here. Can I ask him? Sure. Remember that dude we met at the bowling thing that invented Excel? Yes, I do. What was his name? We don't remember his name. Dude with a pocket square. Dude with a pocket square. No, his name was like Dan or Doug or Dave. It was something with a D. It was a long time ago. Anyway, he was one of the first, right? He was one of the first employees at Microsoft. One of the first employees at Microsoft. He wrote, he wrote Excel. He wrote things, yeah. PlayStation. He, yeah, he wrote a bunch of things, but one of the things he wrote was Excel. And I remember he told me that, and I looked at him, and I was like, 
dude, it's like you just told me you invented the wheel. Like, (laughs) who are you? Like, wow. He was super nice though. Oh, we got to get him on the podcast. Do some, do some back, you know, excavation. He was super, he, all I remember is he was super nice. He lived in Malibu and yeah, I guess he had cashed out and, and was living the life and going around following the bowling tour. So strange connection. And again, I probably should have asked somebody how you and I are related before we hopped on the podcast, but I come from bowling stock in Western Pennsylvania. My uncle was on Bowling for Dollars. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. My grand... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and therefore, so was I. Because if you remember, they would introduce the people that they brought with them to watch them on Bowling for Dollars. Yes. So my grandfather owned a bowling alley in Pittsburgh. And so... Where? um, North Versailles. Okay. They're not in Pittsburgh. I just did one of those things. Point of fact, I grew up in the city of Pittsburgh, but yes, um, North Versailles. And so he was like part of the, you know, bowling association. We would go to banquets. And so we joke that we are Pennsylvania bowling royalty. <laughs> well, look at that. I'm sub royalty. We yeah. were just not bowling for dollars. Well, your talent. I mean, your, your talent. Right. Well, yeah. I, yeah. 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 Or talent yeah. adjacent. Talent adjacent because I have no bowling talent. So that's interesting. I guess this is one of those things where I didn't realize, I don't think that Bowling for Dollars was Pittsburgh based because to me, it's, it's one of those things that could have been national or could have been local and it would have been the same to me. So do people outside of Pittsburgh not know what Bowling for Dollars is? Because like I just always grew up with it. That would be a huge loss for the rest of the world, wouldn't it? That was a great show. It really was. But I think you're right. I think it was local. It was strangely though, like it's one of those things where like Mr. Rogers was Pittsburgh, but also national. And so it's, I don't know. You never know what makes it out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I don't, I honestly have no idea. And your Canadian husband is probably not helpful in this. No, he's gone. Yeah, I don't know where he went. I don't know. We'll we'll have to dig gonna, into this. Yeah, bowling for dollars. Start a bowling podcast. No, no, no. My aunt might want to do that, but not me. I have no skill or talent either. In fact, when the kids bowl with bumpers back in the before times, I was happy to bowl with them with bumpers. That worked. That was my speed. Oh, me too. Because yeah. it's the difference between fun and not fun. Right. And actually, to be fair, I'll tell you, I do love bowling, even though I'm not good at it, because I am someone who needs an activity when I'm hanging out with people. I am not a good sit around and shoot the, you know, S-H-I-T. I'm not well. You may remember cookouts you've had. My favorite thing was playing wiffle ball. I mean, it's like I want something to do. I do remember your wiffle ball experience. (laughs) Where you thought I was almost going to die. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like, I like to play cards. I like to play board games. I like to have an activity. And so bowling is awesome because you can talk, you can eat, you can drink. And you're doing something. And I really, I'm a big fan. I, I view um, watching baseball in person the same way. I'm not a big baseball fan, 
But if I'm going to be in the stands with a hot dog and a beer and chatting with my friends and getting some sun on my face, I'm golden. All good. Yeah. Right. This is why I'm not a beach person. I'm guessing we don't have anything else to talk about when it comes to spreadsheets. Would you say we've hit your... Story about the guy that invented spreadsheets. Can you really... I, you can't beat that, can you? So we'll move on to our final thoughts segment. Um, any media that is that you are consuming right now that you love podcasts tv shows movies books music anything that's really getting you through this time well um i did just notice today that the new season of call the midwife is on netflix right now oh i just finished the paper wasp that you recommended to me that's a was a great read great read it really was. I think it everyone. All my boxes. Unexpected, believable though. Really, really interesting characters. Interesting character development. Kept you on your toes. Totally a beautiful all around. Yeah. And so people in sci-fi, which I don't read, but people in sci-fi talk about world building because they're sort of creating. But I thought that book did an amazing job of world building because even though it took place in real places in present time, the, that spiritual institute or whatever, like I believed I was there. Like I could feel it, see it, smell it, taste it in a way that most books that are contemporary don't pay as much attention to building that world. And the details were just, yes. Right. The details were stunning. Yeah. And the characters were boring enough to be believable, but interesting enough that it took you to a cool place and it yes. introduced you to someone interesting. Yeah, I love that book. I'm so glad you loved it too. That's awesome. Yeah, I really, really did. Uh, any projects you're working on that you want to shout out, social media handles, anything, um, volunteer work that you do, anything that needs a little love right now? This will be airing uh, around Thanksgiving, so. Um, well, let's see. I, my Instagram is in space nutrition, RD, um, Elisa Nussbaum. And, uh, and I, it's, it's a, a mix of science-based food and nutrition information. Everything I do is based on science. Um, I have put, if you have little kids, oh, you might like these, Jamie. I put up lesson plans on Teachers Pay Teachers to do cooking and nutrition projects with kids. Very cool. So people can look those up. Um, we do volunteer work if anyone's interested at Lachat Town Farm. My daughter, Lucy, and I spend weekends there harvesting, Ooh. planting. Well, I'll get all those links from you and we'll put them in the show notes. Um, do you know what your new Thanksgiving dish is going to be, the, a new recipe this year, or you're not there yet? I'm not there yet because we're still doing Rosh Hashanah, but I've been thinking about broccoli a lot. I love broccoli. Me too. I really love broccoli. Um, and I actually was thinking of maybe trying a very light, tempera batter with the air fryer. I don't normally fry things, like I'm more of a roaster or maybe a pan sear. Um, I don't typ typically batter and fry anything, um, but I'm kind of intrigued to see what the air fryer can do. So here's my caution to you, and I don't, I, I don't cook, so this is hilarious that I'm giving you advice, but I, I do eat a lot. So 
be careful with the batter and the broccoli because it is, I have found that tempura battered broccoli often, the broccoli will suck in the batter and then the outside is fried and the inside is not cooked. So I'm a big fan of, of, of like tempura fried vegetables at Asian restaurants. And I do love broccoli, but if there's too much batter, it often is not cooked. I will tell you, I don't know if you know this, I'll tell our listeners that uh, you took me out for my first sushi. Did I? You did. In Brooklyn? Uh, it was Manhattan. You were still working in Manhattan. I feel like I might've still been waiting tables in Manhattan. I don't know the restaurant. But huh. I do remember, so I'll tell our listeners that you and I did not know each other until I moved to New York City, even though we are distantly related sort of by marriage. But we have a mutual cousin who we both like very much. And she said, oh, you're moving to New York. You should get in touch with Elisa. She's wonderful. Thank you, Debbie Spitzer. Uh, so I did. And I remember the first time we spoke, and you're like, well, you know, what, you know, where are you working? And what do you do? Well, let's meet and we can go for sushi. And I was too embarrassed to say no. I hadn't, I didn't, I hadn't met you yet. So I said, sure. <laughs> what did you have? So I think when I got to the restaurant, I told you I had never had sushi before, but like, I was afraid to say that on the phone before I had met you. And so you sort of coached me through it. I'm sure I had like a California roll and maybe like a tempura, like a shrimp tempura or something like you eased me into it. Um, but yeah, I have you to thank for my first ever sushi. And then, and then I went home to Pittsburgh a couple months later and took my mom for her first ever sushi. And what did Susan think? So Susan, I probably shouldn't say this. Maybe we'll edit this out. I'll check in with her. She's like, I know I'm going to love it because every time I'm making raw meat, I take a little bite of it. So like every time she was like making hamburger patties, she would just take a little bite of, I know, I know. People can't see you right now, but you're about to fall off your couch. That's awful. But she had never had sushi. But that's what she said to me. She said, I know I'm going to love it because I eat raw meat. Why would she do that? I don't know. I have heard of other people who do that. So it's not just her. Um, but it's, I think it's fascinating that even though she did that, she had never tried sushi up until that point. Mm, my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm hoping she stopped doing that. You know, yeah. she's, she's still <laughs> cooking. She's fine. If it's a tiny little bit. She's not like one of those people that like has to eat raw. Nope. Nope. And she, she, she doesn't eat raw chicken. Like it's okay. just you know, ground beef, like just a little, you know. All right. Tartar. Yeah. Tartar. Um, well, great. We've come to our last question, which is one you get to ask me. And it's, it's anything you want, spreadsheets or not. Tell me how you're really, really doing. <laughs> well, we're recording this in September and we're not airing it until November. So <laughs> who knows how I'm doing, but how I'm really, really doing. I am super fortunate to be doing okay and spending more time with my kids than I have ever spent with them, which is more a blessing than a curse. Mm -hmm. uh, I am super lucky that I am able to work from home most days. I go to the office two days a week and my husband is home with the kids when I'm at the office. So we are, we are lucky from a scheduling perspective. We are lucky that from a salary perspective, 
Uh, I am super concerned about lots of things that are going on in the world, and I spend a lot of energy trying to address those things, but I was in a different career four years ago, as was my husband, and this would be a really different situation for us. So lucky, really lucky. That's, right. yeah, that's how I'm doing. And some days are easier than others. And by November, who knows? But right now, I'm doing okay. But right now, right now, you're good. I'm right so glad to hear that. Yeah. Luck and frankly, st structural inequality um, have benefited me greatly. And that's something that I struggle with, but it's something that I try to appreciate and use for good. I think half of it is just recognizing it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. I can't wait. Awesome. I can't wait to hear what the new Thanksgiving dish is. I can't wait for a time in the future when I can eat your cooking again. I know. I can't wait. And to see you and to hug you and, and even Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and hi, Jason. And uh, thanks so much for taking time. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.